0: Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw.
1: And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia.
0: We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global <laughs> perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way.
1: Covering bicycle. Bis- bicycle. <laughs> we cover <laughs> <Bicycles>. those too. <laughs> trains and transit <laughs> adventures and life hacks we're keeping that <laughs> and today biking in the great white north should we say the great white north i i don't know would, don't know. would you would you say that it, you're that far north Daniel?
2: there's a lot of snow here yeah i would say okay. snow packs about my dad said there's probably only three good months here we could <laughs> okay. go outside and not freeze so
0: three months that's, that sounds Three like months, Alaska. Four so months would biking say north north probably sounds about right. Yeah, definitely north.
2: We generally catch a big jet stream or a cold most of the winter. So uh, a lot of biking in the summer. I try to try to do that a lot. Uh, I recently got my own uh, trainer for inside. That's
1: oh, fun. how do you like that? I've been looking into doing that. Even though I think I've gone on record. Uh, here on the show, and said something to the effect of, "I'll never do that," but I'm yeah,
2: I'm I also that too, it. and I have I have ridden one winter um, in 2011, maybe, but mm-hmm. it was a, a very mild winter. It only hit four below zero, so
1: that's a mild winter. Yes, it's
2: really mild. <laughs> very mild.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, I'll never survive up there.
2: I would. Uh, I was biking to work at my part-time job and going to school so I was biking I think three miles a day that was the max and I added up so when it would around noon it would hit above so it was pretty good but I can get I guess I can wear that patch or badge or what have you to say I rode one winter here so
3: it's pretty incredible. And uh, by the way, uh, this is Brock Dennis, also uh, producer of Brock's Rocket Podcast. And uh, did we say who we're talking to yet? We, we did not. Dan, in we just sort
1: of barreled right into it. Yeah, I apologize. We got too excited. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, uh, Dan in Minnesota, who uh, has been with the show for years and years. And yep. Dan, can you remind us, uh, how long have you been listening?
2: I think the third episode in. I oh, like, thank you.
3: <laughs> I was like,
2: yeah, this is pretty awesome. i, I I used to live um, I used to live in a huge house uh, that I ended up losing. And I had three, four cars that I think I drove one or two of them. I had a muscle car and a big truck and like boats and all this crazy stuff. And then I lost the house and then I ended up being homeless and I had to sell all that stuff. So um, this kind of hit right, perfect when I know this was happening. And I'm like, well, this is the same thing. So I downsized my life. I actually think I filled up two dumpsters full of stuff that I wow. used. I, I was like, why do I have all this stuff? And I end up um, selling a lot of my stuff and I built this tiny house. Um, again, I found, I found that through, I guess, uh, Portland culture. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, like the right. tiny house? Like it went, uh-huh. the tiny house movement, it, it, it sparked from there and I, This is an eight by eight and it has, uh, I think 64 square feet. And I slept in the loft. I no longer sleep in here. I mean, I have a family now, so (laughs) I I put it on a piece of land and it's attached to the ground and stuff. So I never moved it anywhere, but, um, definitely downsized downsized my life. Um, started riding bicycles. I started working in bicycle shops. I worked in two separate ones. And then I was also a league, league of American, Certify, I can't remember the word for it, but mm-hmm. teach people to ride bike and traffic. Um, yeah. I did that out of the Twin Cities. Um, I, I semi-volunteer at a bike co-op in Bemidji. I ride as much as I can. I think I have too many bikes, like the bike hoarder. I'm a bike hoarder. I'll, I'll you can never there. have too
1: many.
3: Yeah, I, think <laughs> I was right. going to say, I, I don't think you can. I, it, it really depends. I think it's up to you to determine how many bikes is right. For I think you. you're right. But yeah. <laughs> Well, that, that's a pretty incredible. I, I don't think I had really any idea that uh, that you were uh, as far back with us as as you have been. I, I appreciate yeah. that, and <laughs> uh, and also uh, it's it's really cool to, to hear how I, I guess you know if, if we were your length to Portland in some way that you learned how to uh, how to how to get into the tiny house thing and, and you know downsizing and whatnot. That's that's yeah. a tricky thing to do uh, for a lot of us, and so yeah. uh, we'll congratulations. I'm really glad yeah. you still have the tiny house too. Yeah. Thank you.
2: And then I actually, um, kind of funny. I went to school to be a cop, but I got to the end of it and I went to the training and it just wasn't for me. And so I, when I met my wife, I was going to the university of uh, Viji state university and I met her and changed my life path again. And I ended up reclaiming a cabin that was semi-abandoned and you'll see that on my instagram we had it moved here and we built a foundation for it and um i've been doing that ever since like i mean that takes probably 90 percent of my free time so yeah but um then this tiny house just turned into a storage so mainly got two kids that changed my whole life again (laughs) yeah huge impact uh got a for sure nice bike trailers
3: but yeah I'm just thinking we'll have to, there, there's so much there. So we've got to figure out how to attack this, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which which direction to go first. Uh, but I am curious. Uh, I think just about kind of the scene. So you, you live uh, near, uh, I live near the bigger city is Bemidji, Minnesota. Bemidji. That's right. Yeah. Yep. That's
2: right natural. at
1: the source of the Mississippi.
3: Pretty much the first city on it. Uh, and you said you're involved in a bike co-op there. Uh,
2: shifting gears. i um, since I have the house, I don't volunteer as much um, as much as I can, but we'll take people in. They can fix a bike or we can trade work or some people actually will take a lot nicer bikes and um, we would ask for a donation for the higher, nicer ones and then buy more things and buy tires and tubes and have some classes once in a while, but i um, changing tires and
3: whatnot. Nice. Uh, how long have you been, wor- or what you said, not as much anymore because you've got other obligations. Yeah. But, uh, when did you start working with them? Um, what, 2011, I believe 2012, okay. somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, what, what, what did you learn about bicycles uh, in that experience? Um, I already
2: had quite a bit of knowledge on them. Um, I grew up with a lot of bicycles. Uh, that was really like dirt roads. You, you know, wanted to go see your friend's house. You, they were pretty rural, even farther away from the city, the Bemidji, but, um, Yeah, if you wanted to go visit someone or do something, you had to have a bicycle, or you know, go visit your buddies and go home and stuff. So, yeah, skill, but I gained some, um, I would say, a little more professional skills, and then I enough to work in a bike shop, I guess. So, that's right. Time management, stuff like that. So,
3: sure. Did Did you move on to uh, to the bike shop after that? Then, so that was yep. yep. In between. It was after
2: that I worked at a um, place they just closed down, and it kind of bums me out. It's been there since the 50s, and they were a Schwinn shop. It was kind of a neat neat place to work. But I walked in, and I asked for a bottom bracket at 68-centimeter shell and at 120-something, and he's like, do you want to work here? I just lost a guy, (laughs) and I'm like, yeah, when do I start? He's like, tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) So it was kind of... (laughs) My wife says that's usually my luck, but it usually is um <laughs> I just I just happened upon things so
3: I like I don't it know if yeah. it's luck
2: or what but
3: well yeah if you if you come in knowing exactly what you want usually that that's an indicator that you belong there uh, yeah for more than, for more than just uh going in to buy something <laughs> yep yeah uh and so that was one bike shop and you worked yep. at another as well you said yes, I worked at a uh,
2: um out of Bemidji. Uh, a bicycle shop in Bemidji and that didn't last as long as I wanted it to, but it got me through the summer I was a student I was a student working on my bachelor's degree. so I want to have a bike co-op out of there. I, I've seen uh, plenty of bicycles thrown away my little brother used to drive the garbage truck and he wanted to since he was a kid. So that's like his life goal, but yeah. he would pile these bikes up because they couldn't scrap them because they weren't worth anything. Ah. they are actually more of a hassle to scrap. You'd have to take them apart. So we would end up getting a lot of them, them guys and the, these guys, they worked there and they'd fix them and give them the kids. So I was going, hmm, why, why can't we use that? So that's where I get a lot of my parts. Um, a lot of my stuff is out of recycle that we have a, I'm actually from a green step reservation. We, um, reduce reuse a cycle. I was on a committee when I worked in, uh, public health, um, Indian public health on the tribal side. I actually built a lot of, uh, green opportunities for people. We recycled a lot of things. Um, that's
3: what I did Very before cool. I went
2: back to school. So,
3: yeah. But, well, and it, I, that's a good line to be in if you like bikes, right? Cause you see yep, things. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. But I, I was thinking too if you you were describing watching frames getting thrown away and that sort of thing. It's always sad to see uh, a frame yeah. with some promise or, or like so, something you are like, oh, this could be. Especially uh, like we were talking about with last week's part and supporter episode. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. Oh, there is something there that somebody needs. <laughs> Somebody's going to need that. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. kind
2: of hard. Oh my uh, my disc trucker! I built that at the first uh, bike shop I was at, and I rode to Duluth. Was superior, so that was one of my big trips. I built it out of all mostly used parts, so stuff that was laying around the shop, and and it was uh it was pretty neat. I got, and it's odd too. It's really funny. I end up building the same bike as Aaron did.
4: Yeah, they're Very almost close. identical,
2: and it's um it just happened to be like that. I even I didn't I the bike mechanic that I worked under or worked with, he's been in bicycles um. I don't know what to call him. He doesn't like me mentioning his name, but he's worked uh, over 25 years in the bicycle industry. So
4: mm.
2: he, he's uh, kind of like a mentor, but not really. But he, I ordered a black frame, and he ordered me the, um, I don't know what color that is, red?
1: Yeah, that maroon. Maroon, okay. red, yeah. So, so that was ordered, originally a mistake?
2: It was going to be black, and he said, <laughs> black, black black is my soul and he it was what we always like jammed out to nine Snails" nails in the back and stuff like that and misfits and it was hilarious that was probably one of my favorite jobs i've ever had but it was uh and he just didn't want me to have a black bike I, it's look horrible on you so I, I i got a red yeah red bike
3: he talked you out of it
2: yeah, he just he ordered it and changed it. Yeah, so I was okay. Like, oh, I ordered ah, you out of it. <laughs>
3: okay, so no, no talking really. Just like here yeah, you go. Yeah, just
2: here's your frame. You your frame came in.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was so hilarious to work with. But it's kind so of like, that's that bike shop closed down. So, but it was pretty. He works at a couple other places. I get to run into him. Really, kind of like odd. It was a lot of odd characters. Just, he, I knew he was different from, from around here. Um, turns out he's from Jersey. And he goes, Oh, no, he's not from Jersey. Sorry. New York. I can't remember exactly where. But okay. Yeah. He'd probably punch me if he knew I said Jersey. <laughs> but, uh, we'll edit that part out. Yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> and uh, I looked at him and I said, Hey, uh, you, first, I met him at a different bike shop. And he goes, Yeah, but what do you want? <laughs> I want some bicycle parts. <laughs> I can help you. <laughs> and the bicycle people, a lot of people know him around here. We we do um, Bike Bemidji. I was involved with that quite a bit at one time or volunteering with it. I said, I shouldn't say I was actually a part of it, but I'd volunteer my time with them a lot. Um, a lot of people know him too. And I, and I talk like him and they, that sounds exactly like him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> a recognizable character. Yeah. He's quite the character.
2: <laughs> Bicycling industry for over 25 years. He started when he was 10.
3: Yeah. Like that's, that's pretty awesome. So That's a good track record. Been around yeah. for a while. Yeah. So bike Bemidji is, uh, is that the uh, local advocacy group? Yep. Yeah, um, it would be, uh, you could bike Bemidji, um,
2: nice ride. We had some nice ride bikes for a while. Um, I was volunteering with them, um, back when I had more, disposable time but i think they would put on community rides and we'd take people biking i have a ems background i'm not ems anymore Uh, it scaled up to the point where i couldn't i would have to get more schooling and it was just i just i didn't see the point because i didn't do it as much but i was i would go on rides and be the medical if
3: you needed so that's an important job yeah because yeah. every now and again, uh, there's a spill and, and somebody needs some attention. Yep. Did you ever have to use those skills, or did that was it luckily uh, no just there in reserve? Okay, I never, uh, I never did. Uh, we actually,
2: I ride with. Um, she's actually a, a doctor, medical doctor, so she invested in me quite a bit as a mentor. So
3: that's great. It's good to learn from the pros. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, I, you've mentioned, you've got a couple of kids now and, uh, yeah. you, you posted often, I think about rides that you take with them. What, yeah. uh, what's your setup for riding with kids these days? Um, we have, a um,
2: I can't remember what it's called. We have the Schwinn, an older Schwinn one, like just a generic or box store. I don't even know if box stores exist anymore, but they seem to fit a lot better in there. My son is, um, I think like three feet tall and he's four years old i'm i'm over six i'm six three so
3: there we go me Um, too
2: yeah yeah and um i think we have an ibert on my wife's bike if you can see it it's green Uh, my son has a balance bike the strider brand so
3: yeah still can't Uh, quite graduate out of that but (laughs) that's a good one to start with though they say because it it uh, develops the balance right yep so he must enjoy it. He must be good at it because he yeah. won't give it up.
2: Yep. He doesn't, he, 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 he really likes it. He doesn't like being towed. I tried towing him. I tried putting him on a trail behind and he jumped off and ran into the house and stopped. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I guess he doesn't like that. So...
3: He just won't take it.
2: No, he wouldn't.
3: Uh... It's
0: good at, good at knowing what he wants. Yep, exactly.
2: <laughs> uh, funny bike tour. Oh, after I built my, this trucker up, I went from a place in Deer River, and I went to Duluth, Spear, Minnesota, and I uh-huh. actually crossed into Wisconsin, so that was pretty fun. It was 250-odd miles one way. Nice. And I, yeah, and I bike camped the whole, like, stealth camped a couple places, but it was funny that like being a person of color, I've I've been harassed by cops, and uh-huh. luckily I know a lot of I know a lot of um, laws, and I ask them all well, what what which one six nine code am I breaking? Is this a what is this? And they're like, Where did you go to school? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's so, like walking into the uh, the bike shop and asking for a very specific part, right? It's, yeah, and kind it's, of like, it's hey, I, yeah. I know what's going on here.
2: Yeah, so. Um, the only yeah. thing I ever got messed with was geocaching and I've kind of tried away from that. But a funny story, I went on my bike trip and I thought, okay, I'm going to go stealth camp and then I rest. I'm going to be all, I'm going to do this on my first night. And I ran into this, um, she lived in her truck and she, we, it was, I was eating and she came, sat with me and she said, there's a place to camp down here. So I was like, oh, okay, but you can't, you got to clear out in the morning. And I went in there and, and camped and then this cop came and down there and talked to me. He's like, "Hey, how are you doing? Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, I was not supposed to be here." And he actually picked up the sign and it was for camping. It wasn't. I was. I wasn't really stealth camping. I'm oh. so, yeah. so it
3: was actual camping. It was. It was actual camping. You just <laughs> didn't realize it until then. <laughs>
2: yeah, I just, it was like okay. uh, eight o'clock at night and the sun was going down and I thought I was really being stealthy you know? and
3: <laughs> It Turns out it wasn't so.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: yeah no, that's an interesting uh thank you for bringing it up because i'm kind of curious i mean there's a lot of factors that go into uh the stealth camping thing and one of the things that is i think uh a little tricky about that is that uh, i think there are some extra layers of complication to stealth camping uh for a person of color and uh, yeah, i'm really interested in is. kind of the experience because i i don't know i i'm a big white guy uh and <laughs> i you know i i I don't know. I guess I, I go with all the privilege that that carries and, and I've been yeah. able to do a lot of, you know, stealth camping stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, but, but I, I, also wonder to myself, like, you know, like how great is this really if this isn't the sort of thing that, that everybody gets to do? And so I guess in your experience, how would you describe the dynamics?
2: Um, as a person, I can only speak as a person of color. Um, I'm actually an enrolled member of a tribe, Beach Lake Band of Ojibwe. Um, I can only say to that, you know, there's, there's even separate rules to me versus a different person of color. So, but right. I can say, um, as towards bicycles and camping, I, I get questioned a lot. What are you doing here? Where'd you get that bike? Like, you know. Oh, you get
1: always, the where'd you get that bike question? Yeah, where'd
2: you get that bike? Uh, and I'm like, I built it.
1: Yeah. Right. Because there's a lot
3: of assumptions there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, would you would you no, you're not quite stealing and I'm like, do you think I stole this bike and I have a lot of uh cop things in it and it just flips them and they instantly stop because I have knowledge, you know, that's knowledge on yeah. laws, knowledge on things and it's most people don't and that's that's the tricky part is not knowing your rights. So, even your rights as a cyclist. So, um when I took my uh, LCI classes and uh, I happen to know a lot of the laws from actually taking traffic law. So it was kind of, uh, it kind of helps. You can say that, no, you know, your rules, know your laws. Um, uh, but sometimes that doesn't even matter. Right. And I've had that happen to me. Um,
3: Right. So, uh, I mean, that's a thing that I think about too, because, uh, if we, we three were talking about this, uh, the other week and, uh, I, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of opportunity to go outdoors. Uh, but there's also, you know, I think there's a lot of resistance because like, uh, again, you know, in my experience, me being who I am, and looking what I look like. I can go anywhere. I I guess I want to outdoors, but, uh, but other people have different considerations and may have different comfort levels. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the question that's been in my mind for a long time is, is like, you know, what does it mean to build equity for people so that the great outdoors, uh, is, is an opportunity for everyone yeah. and I mean some of those answers we're, we're mm-hmm. coming face to face with these days um, because uh, they're you know, all of the all of the current events where uh, you know race has come to the fore and, and uh, we're saying hey uh, it's not it's not enough for just some people to have these privileges we, we want to live in a society where everybody has them oh, um, exactly. and we see the power structures reacting against that and saying well we, we like the power structures the way they are so um yeah, uh I mean it's it's a question that I ask myself and I don't have the answer yet. I, I would like to know what it is. But um yeah, no, thank you for sharing your experience. It's one yeah, of those things yeah, it's, it's not easy to talk about, I'm sure. That was a part
1: yeah. of
2: my own learning curve. So, right on. Yeah. You no, know, I I mean I have to learn a lot of things myself. Even as a male or even as you know, that's everyone has to learn something out of this. So
3: Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think the most important thing that can happen right now is to listen, right? And and yep. a lot of what we see in you know the past couple of weeks is because, you know, not enough of us have been listening. So it's something I'm trying to do better. And it's it, definitely the voices are out there if we can, if we're willing to hear them and if we're willing to look for them. So, yep. yeah.
2: And then yeah. like living inside native culture is totally different too. It's even more, uh, It's it's harder to explain, but, um, like we're inside of something, well, I'll just tell you, I had a, my one of my best friends since kindergarten was this six, I think he's like six, six, I think. Uh Very Scandinavian, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, but I met him in kindergarten and we had the same shirt on. And we were like best friends since then. So
4: Common blonde, he would,
2: yeah. Yeah, he would know, he noticed that a lot. He's like, why did the... This woman actually pulled us over, female cop, and said, "Oh, I thought you guys were." He looked at my friend. Said, "Oh, I thought you guys were someone else," and my friend just couldn't. He just didn't get it, you know. So, not to dwell into that too much, but it's like, yeah. And then being a native too, he would go into we kind of traded cultures. He would. He spoke German. His grandmother spoke German, and mine spoke Ojibwe. But we would end up um, working places as young men, and people would speak Ojibwe to him, and they were just shocked that he could answer. So it was kind <laughs> of a neat exchange, you know. In the long run, so
1: <laughs> right on.
2: Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is culture exchange. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
3: Well, and Having you've given me a lot of that. Just uh, following you on Instagram, I feel like you've you've used a, a fair amount of Ojibwe uh, terms in your yeah. posts, right? Yep. Yeah. Right. Uh, which, which is really, it's nice to see. And it's nice to get that, uh, that, that exposure.
2: Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I grew up like I, I thought everyone's grandmother spoke Ojibwe and I thought, I thought, you know, it's kind of odd. I was talking to my cousins. Like we even lived outside the main village at my grandmother's land. And, um, I didn't know he could buy wild rice. I really didn't until I became a young man. I was like, they actually sell this stuff, and you don't have to process it.
4: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> and then uh, like maple sugar, I didn't know you could buy it. I thought everybody made it.
1: Made Everyone it. had to go out and tap the trees. Yeah, they yeah. tap
2: the trees exactly. So yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. So your your Instagram handle is an Ojibwe term, right? Oh, uh, uh, that's my common
1: Ojibwe name.
2: Okay, I am Bokwetwinini. Uh, it means okay. like. Uh,
1: Oh, that was my, too
2: fast. You're gonna have to tell me. Uh, okay, <laughs> it talks about a uh, man being in the woods, I guess, but it kind of means like you're outdoors. So that was kind of my idea behind it. Mm. But yeah. also, one of my um language teachers, I <laughs> at my tribal college, I ran into him the first time and met him, and he's a Elderly native man who's Ojibwe that came from Canada and he actually went to boarding school. Where he said um, they tried to torture the language out of him, but he still kept talking. He teaches, he's close to 80 now. Mm -hmm. but When I initially met him, he (laughs) that's what he called me. He called me a bee. He looked up at me (laughs) and he he (laughs) must have thought I looked like I come. He said later that I looked like I come out of the bush. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know what that means i have no idea why i mean he had a stroke now so he doesn't quite remember everything uh-huh. Uh-huh. so yeah. it's it's kind of comical he's like i don't know i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> so i just kind of took that common name that's uh
3: and i just talk and yeah. use that with language classes and stuff so very cool it, uh, i guess would it be fair to say man of the woods is that a fair translation why
2: Wild man, I guess. Not okay. Wild man yeah. Okay. It's, it's more like yeah. a
3: bigfoot, I guess.
2: Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Nice. It's more like a bigfoot, but <laughs> it's kind of funnier. It's kind of, I guess, ironically, funny, I guess.
3: Right, right. I love it.
1: So, uh, yeah, I went ahead and looked up the Ojibwe language in Wikipedia and like read, read their Wikipedia entry. It is saying eight thousand three hundred or so speakers in the United States.
2: Yep. That's probably a smaller number. Wow. That's pretty. Um, it's still quite a bit. So, yeah. And the odd thing, I moved, to, we moved to Colorado for like a year when I was a kid. And the odd thing was we lived with Hispanics, Mexicans, and and I thought they were native. I, just thought <laughs> I was going to say, I yeah, bet you guys
1: got mistaken for each other all the time. Yeah. And that's yep. so
2: funny, too. It's like, well,
1: that's happened to me a lot. Um, yeah.
2: I could imagine
1: that when so I have family that's in Montana, and when mm-hmm. I visit them because there's a lot of reservations around there, yeah. um especially when we drove like from Michigan to Montana, you go through you know South Dakota and the reservations yep. around there um had a lot of people ask me like, "So what nation are you?" I was like, huh,
2: what
3: chica
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and that means. Uh, Mexican. Okay, thank you, thank you.
2: I didn't want to say it, yeah.
1: I'm not,
3: well, yeah. I'm not close enough to the to the joke. <laughs> Should we let him in on the joke? I, I can hear it. I could hear it being made. So yeah. Well,
2: the funny thing was about. Well, I'll finish my thing before I ever get going to Colorado. Yeah. I, I, they looked like to me. It was like their culture, because they had a abuela I had this lady that would go mm-hmm. I would go get watched. My mom and dad would go to work. My dad was a welder, and he went, they would drop me off, and then she just told me to call her abuela, so I did. And I ah. started speaking Spanish, actually. Or me- she called it Mexican. Oh, really? And that's what my uncle would call it, too. He was from uh, right across the border, Laredo, and then right across the border, but he moved to Colorado. But he calls it Mexican because his my he married my dad's sister, and... He said it's different. At I, I never. He he passed on now, but I never really could understand. Yeah. He never could tell me why it was different. But
1: yeah, uh, I'm probably not the best to, okay. to speak on that. I've always yeah. called it Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do know, like, just because of the the separation of geography, it's def- there are uh, idioms that are different. In Mexico yeah. than, than in Spain. Um, much like there's idioms in other Spanish speaking countries like yep. uh, Guatemala that are that don't necessarily translate to Mexican Spanish either.
2: Yeah, I think that's what he called it, Mexican Spanish. Oh, okay. Well so, yeah, yeah, that's what he called it. But yeah, their whole family structure, I was like, these are I was telling my mom, these are these are Indians, these are Ojibwe people. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, No, no son, they they're, they're they're not. There were some youths there, though. That was kind of neat. Oh, really? We'll visit a family. Yeah, small, small group of them. My mom was a big um, proprietor on, on language usage, or my grandmother.
3: So. Yeah, and it seems like there's a lot of uh, a lot of culture tied in, right? Like, if if you know the language, then you know uh, more customs. Uh, you yep. know but more history. It's
2: all in there. So. Yeah, it's all and culture you live it.
3: And something's always lost in translation, right? So if you're not yeah. speaking it, then uh, there, are, there are those really essential bits that, that tell you who you are, right? That, uh, yeah, that exactly. That you identity. don't get if you, yeah.
2: self identity yeah. self-expression. Um, I had some really awesome mentors at Bleach Lake Tribal College where I went to. I sat down and talked to them. That was the same uh, instructor that said, uh, called me, you or uh, like a Bigfoot. And I was sitting with these guys and he's like, "Where's your mom and dad? who's this and where are you from and it turns out the other elderly guy elder uh, mentor that was there he was related to me and so he kind of took me under his wing and he we would speak a lot more so nice. it was a, a lot of mentoring and understanding and it was a lot of big learning curve so kind
3: of nice. cool to make that connection too like yep. hey we're, we're family
2: yeah that's a common thing you you, you ask who your mom and dad are that kind of puts yeah. you into where you fit in so
3: I, I am curious. Are, are you uh, kind of the odd person out with your love for bicycles? Uh, or, or, Most uh, of the are time, there... yes. Okay. All right. I wasn't um, sure if it was that I common.
2: Get, no, I get asked, uh, "What'd you do to lose your license?" Yeah,
3: that's such <laughs> a common question all
2: over <laughs> the place, right? <laughs> yeah. I hmm. think it might be. Uh, then another thing. I this. I I met my wife and I had this Ranger pickup that I actually lived in while I was building my tiny house. It had a bed and a camper and it wasn't too bad yeah. but I, my mom when I met my wife she literally said take I got a Toyota she gave me a Toyota Camry and she said you give me that truck your your car is, your truck is too awful you need you're dating a good woman you need to drive this other car
3: time to train <laughs> so,
2: it out yeah so it was kind of it was pretty funny oh neat, neat thing with my wife too. her she's a different tribe from Oklahoma and traditionally, they would marry people from uh, Mexican territory, so they're actually half. uh wow. culturally, so they actually have like tamales and beans, and and then they have buffalo menudo. And I also lived in Montana too. That was another thing. I lived in Montana where they had uh, they called it tripe, but it was almost the same. Thing That's I menudo.
1: Thought. It's the yeah, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. So I've never but, had it. <laughs>
2: That doesn't bother me. I've All I've right. eaten rabbits and stuff before in my life. It doesn't. I don't. I was taught not to. I don't look bad at
3: food. I guess right. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yep. And if it's there, you use it. Uh, yeah. I, I guess i was trying to remember because I, I I've not had menudo either. But isn't didn't Campbell's make like a a yes. commercial tripe soup? I think so. uh, yes,
1: I, I think believe it. you can still find it can you okay because oh, yeah. I, I think I, that.
3: I think campbell's called it pepper pot and
1: oh uh, okay I,
3: that's not but what it had, i was
1: thinking of though. okay
3: yeah it's probably different that was what i remember eating growing up though because it was like i think campbell's had discontinued it and there was a bunch of cans on the discount rack and my mom was like all right we're eating this for the next month <laughs> mm. so, <laughs> that's my exposure to tripe soup but uh yeah yeah
0: like when they uh stopped making like neko wafers, and I had to go down and get a get a box of them because I knew that was the last chance I'd ever have at that.
3: That's right, yeah. And I mean, they're gonna make them again, but they're not gonna be the same, right? It's oh, the same NECO I don't know though. if they are. <laughs> <laughs> I heard somebody bought the rights.
0: Oh, okay. But, uh, well, there's there's hope. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. I <laughs> think, um, you know, in terms of not not uh taking food for granted, bike touring is a great method of travel in that regard because, uh. I have not had tripe myself, but if I had it I'm sure it would be extra tasty if it was on a bike trip.
3: Everything's heightened on the bike tour. But and you're gonna tell us a bit more about that, Dan, because you said you did a two hundred mile trip. Yep, so uh, wh- uh, again, you did some wild camping, you did some uh, some campgrounds, uh, you were using you the them. disc trucker? Yep, the disc trucker. Okay, had, yeah. Uh, so what was first, your setup?
2: The first version I had was
3: uh oh, what was it, uh
2: uh, two in the front, and I can never remember the numbers, but it's like two because the shifter wouldn't line up because I had junk parts, and that was like the best ones I could find. And I end up riding, you kind of had to hold it to make it shift, and then it would stay and go into gear. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Um And they, they, the parts eventually failed because they weren't that nice. But then I, I, on my bike trip, they worked. They worked perfect. So um, there you go. And I end up running into a lot of people that helped me. I didn't spend any money.
1: Nice. It was the oddest,
2: crazy thing. Like I would run into homeless people and they would tell me and I was like, Oh cool. I was homeless too. I lived in my, uh, um, my truck. Not the same as you guys, but, and they would find me food and they, what they wanted to trade for me was my espresso. I had an espresso, Ah. uh, I guess outside, outside coffee, I guess is the thing.
1: They
3: yeah, coffee yeah. outside. Coffee yeah. outside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you travel with? Uh, what was your? Uh, was it? Uh, wait, tell us about your coffee setup.
2: Oh, I had a, um, I can never pronounce it. The little espresso stove top, and then I had a, I, Optimus. I just call it Optimus Prime. I don't. Know yeah, the stove. Called. <laughs> yeah, stove. The cook stove, and uh, that's what I would use a lot to make it, and then have my little tin cup before I guess before it was cool. I actually, have it nice. somewhere. So
3: yeah, you were and, a trendsetter. Uh, you were yeah, you were doing it. Yeah, you were the first one. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I love it. Well, but I yeah, I got, you, I
2: got a lot from Sean Granton. So and uh, a lot of bike stuff I got from um, Doug, Four Season Cycler out of Duluth. Oh yeah,
3: yeah 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 oh, uh, yeah. So. yeah. That's great. I love it. And and that was uh, kind of a it, it was a uh, marketable skill, right? It was a trade. Uh, yeah, trade I traded my you made.
2: espresso for food and stuff and I went with totally no I, I didn't spend any money. I like I didn't even spend wow. money on the campground. The people there traded me coffee and they they were like, no, just take this up there, this ticket and go take a shower and I was like, Okay, cool.
0: Nice. That's and incredible. And I
2: end up going back to the same places when I it, it took me I was riding crazy like a hundred miles a day. So I think it took me four days in total.
3: That's pretty impressive. That's yeah. that's wow. that's a much faster yeah. tour than I was expecting to hear about. It was well. I had to go back for a job interview.
2: And it oh yeah, was kind of a, kind of <laughs> caught me. And I was actually going to go to the um, to Madeline Island in Superior. I was that's that was that was my plan. But I they're like, you want this job? And I was like, oh man, I finally yeah, I got a job. I can do this. And I went back, but it didn't work out. Anyways, but it kind of shortened my trip
3: up. So. I but see. It worked yeah. out better right. in the end anyway, but so was yeah. this uh did you get a ride back from the other end or was it an out and back trip? Out oh, and back, I went all the, okay. all the way back. I don't have That's my
2: cool. phone died and I couldn't charge it. I don't have pictures of it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I come back and it was pretty went to a couple of events and it was it was pretty fun. Went back to the same town with the same camping place and it just happened to work out so
3: it is nice to know uh, where you can go, right? Like you can reuse some of the discovered places along yeah. the way. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, did you do much pre-planning before, or was it just kind of like, let's go and see what happens? Let's go. I'm just going to do this because I've I listened to last year. That's the best. And I love I was it. Just like I did it.
2: <laughs> I was like, well, I'm going to go do it. That's how most most of my life is. My wife laughs at me because she goes. I don't know how you do all these things. I'm like, I don't know. I just do them, and it happens to work, and I don't yep. die. I guess so. Or, I, <laughs> or, <laughs> I don't know what else to call it.
3: I forget because because it was John Muir who talked about like just throwing bread into a your backs into your backpack and hopping over the back fence. I don't remember who said what. You have to like throw your hat over the fence so you have a reason to go get it or something, mm-hmm. but. That, that's kind of how I sometimes think about it. Like, let's just, let's, let's see if we can do it. Let's go out there. Yep.
2: Yeah. Oh, the, Oh, anyways, the bike culture contact on my reservation, um, my car, I got the car, I was driving the car wrong because I used to park my pickup at the, at a state wayside rest, I guess. And then I would bike into town and do stuff and go home. But, um, I was in this car and someone said, Oh, I'm so happy you don't have to ride your bike anymore. And I'm like, yeah, I, that's good, I guess. Because
3: <laughs> so. Mm. So, you kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of liked it. It was fun.
2: But then I yeah. kind of realized, yeah, I can't ride my bike everywhere anymore. So.
3: Right. Well, it's like the bicycle is a wonderful tool, and it's not mm-hmm. the right tool for everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I guess to to people, like I – I see the bicycle as a hammer and so sometimes to me everything's a nail like hey can I ride there can I do this but uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's uh, <laughs> some of some of it is sustainable and some of it's not right like if yep, depending on the distance smooth. you have to travel or something
2: mm-hmm. yeah definitely I I used to um, oh that's another thing I used to bike commute on and off um, probably since 2008 I believe mm-hmm um, that was a big thing I used to do. Like the one, the farthest away I ever did it every day for, I think three months was, 15 miles one way and then 15 back. So that was that's. The and that's a fair. I've ever done.
3: That's a long, especially for every day. That's a long yeah. ride. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, uh, Aaron Guthrie, either of you. What What's the longest commute you've ever had on a daily basis?
0: Commute um... or bike commute?
3: Uh, bike commute. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Oh, you're good. Uh, uh five miles, I six say miles
1: six miles let me see here i'm gonna map this out real quick
2: <laughs> yeah i had a whole blog about it and it on like wordpress or something yeah. but i got hacked and it all got wiped out so uh, oh
3: man that's too i bad. was good, i was gonna ask you about that too because you you have had some blogging going for it. is that the one that uh that i knew yeah i think so okay yeah, yeah. yeah. It got, i'm sorry. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It, it was like uh, I think it was like the Russian hacking thing destroyed most of it. Of they course, got parts of it back, but they got some pictures
3: and stuff. But that was yeah, bothered. such is the way of all things. It's uh yeah. digital entropy. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, well, we will link to your Instagram. We'll put a, a link yeah. up to that. And I, I got to practice. uh watch a Is that right? Pretty close. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> like I feel bad.
2: Well, I actually teach language some places. So,
3: bug-we-che-ni-ni. che <laughs> Pretty close. I'm, I'm closer. That's good. Yeah, it's closer. <laughs> well, and if Bug you way-che-nini. work with language, you're a very patient person.
2: Yeah, you yeah, have. Yeah. Well, I started mentoring <laughs> people at my undergrad, too, or at, at my university. And it was funny because in my head, everyone in that class used have spoke language, but they didn't grow up with it. And it's like... It was pretty hard at first, and then I was like, oh, well, I just explained it like my grandmother would. She would take it apart and put, take the main part of it and put it, then put the ends back on. So, you just had to remember the main part, so.
3: Break it down and and put it back together. Yeah. So, that was. Much like a bicycle. Exactly. (laughs)
2: Oh, my other blog was called, um, to dip away Say gun. It describes uh riding a bicycle something that rolls along like this that you're sitting that a thing that you can use that's the closest I can translate it <laughs> there but another go. Fu- funnier thing in a different area in talking about different dialects of places i can I can understand mm-hmm. some Cree, which is another Algonquin based language,
4: mm-hmm.
2: but um, in a different area in, on a more remote place in Canada, they call the bicycle. The thing that your butt cheeks grab onto, and you can't, so you don't fall off. Basically, (laughs) I can't even say it, but it's it's in this Ojibwe (laughs) book that this woman wrote, uh, Patricia Natawains, and it's uh, she's probably one of the better ones I've run into.
3: Teaching. That's a good term.
2: Yeah, and it's hilariously funny in Ojibwe (laughs) because you can actually see the thing in your head, and it's it's even funnier. So
3: yeah, yeah, very descriptive. Descriptive, Absolutely. Exactly.
2: Descriptive in action. <laughs> the thing that your butt cheeks grab onto so you don't fall
3: off. That's basically <laughs> what it is. So. I love it. That's yeah. fantastic. Uh, we were talking, I think, uh, when we were getting ready to, to do the show, Dan, about uh, you uh, just put up some pictures of, uh, of a canoe. And Oh, uh, yeah. done some. So you, you know the Sprocket Podcast is a big fan of Boat Month, and every month is Boat yeah. Month. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> what's your experience on the water?
2: Um, uh, well, when we stayed at my cousin's house, we would have, we would bike there and then we would, um, I have no idea of the mileage when I was a kid, but instead of biking, we would take my uncle borrow, I guess, borrow my uncle's canoe and go to the store and get snacks and then canoe back up the river. But it was kind of a dangerous place because of the river. I, I, it's, uh, it has a name and everything, but you guess you get flipped over a lot there. Hmm. But I never, yeah. I never did. So, um, that's good. I have portaged a couple of places and camped. So, but that's a kind of, it's a different kind of thing. But it's, I have done a lot of things with water and canoeing and portaging. Beautiful.
3: Yeah. Uh, was the picture that you posted of one that you w- you had built or were built?
2: Yep. I I grew up building birch bark canoes too. So. Yeah. Um, a lot of people romanticize it and it's not. It's a lot of hard work. <laughs> it's
4: not that romantic. <laughs> it's not romantic. It's not like, no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're covered in horse flies and mosquitoes and yeah. yeah it, hard work. Not, so it's,
1: it's 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 definitely a labor of love like you you got to love it to do it. Yeah. yeah.
3: So for sure. Uh what 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 do you prove it with?
2: Um there's a couple different recipes but um black black and uh, I'm thinking of the Ojibwe word for it. it's like it's it's a thing that it's pine pitch that's burnt okay I guess and you put uh, charcoal in it and then some people actually I've met this other fluent first speaking Ojibwe woman that she she come up to me did you did you make that canoe I had my canoe and I said well yeah that Ninde, Ninde Institutoi taught me that my dad taught me that. My dad taught me how to build canoes and she was just wasn't really shocked, but she was like really surprised and happy <laughs> that someone could do that. So um she had a different recipe for it, but it's basically sap out of a tree that you treat and boil down. I have I have videos of it somewhere but yeah, I suppose yeah. I could make a whole thing about it, but
1: let yeah. me guess, you tapped the tree yourself? No. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> they, they, it's kind of
2: hard to explain. It, sometimes they just have big balls that come off. Oh, yeah. Balls they just sort that of, come off, yeah. And it's kind of, uh, I did collect all of it myself, but it needs to be um, treated again. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, the the word you know, Ojibwe for canoe is jiman, uh, but it actually describes you're blowing on it to check if it leaks. There we go. Yeah. The word o- o- shin yeah, yeah. is kissing and it's like this, like your lips. So mm-hmm. that's what you're doing to that style.
3: Watercraft,
2: <laughs> I guess is what you can yeah, say. There we go.
3: Yeah. That, that's, that's awesome. That, it's so interesting just cause like, I'm, I don't know. I'm so disconnected from like how you would do that with any sort of natural process. Cause uh, what it was It a month ago that, uh, Ryan Hashigan was on. He was talking about like, you know, you always have your, your, uh, epoxy, your five minute epoxy and all that stuff. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just the, it's been done, you know, for so much time prior to, to prior to epoxy <laughs> with things that just exist in the world, uh, in yeah. an unprocessed way. So, uh, that's, that's really cool to know. I'm glad so, you find it
2: interesting. It's just kind of, uh I know all, all the hard work that goes into it. It's not fun right. to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, right. let's go mow the lawn.
3: And it's like, uh-huh. that's not fun.
2: So,
0: <laughs> I was, uh, so again,
3: don't romanticize. <laughs> yeah.
0: Not, yeah, not the romanticization, but what that reminded me of was, um, cabin building up in alaska and it's like one of those things too where you're like yeah that sounds totally you know romantic and then you're like oh i just sat on this log with a draw knife for eight hours and i got two logs done and oh
2: a lot of draw knives we lose that a lot so yeah (laughs) that's how you make the ribs after you split it uh split the split the main down so yeah okay you would know
0: yeah it is work it's totally work
3: (laughs) I guess to pursue uh, Guthrie's interest, uh, have you ever taken a bike in the canoe? Um,
2: no, I don't have a, a bike. I had a uh I don't like folding bikes or recumbent bikes. I just I I just can't ride them. It's not your thing. I've had people give them to me and I'm like, No, I can't <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just can't ride this thing. Yeah. And, Big man uh, on small wheels, it. yeah.
2: Yes, exactly. So well, that would be awesome if I could do that, though. I almost built a um, Surly Krampus nice. uh-huh. in, yeah. instead of my disc trucker, but that would have probably been the better thing to do that with. So.
3: Well, the Krampus has large tires that will float, right? So if, yeah. it, if it goes into the water, <laughs> it won't go to the bottom. Exactly. I remember years ago, there was that video of uh, our friend Nathan Jones and Dan Kaufman. Uh, oh, that's sweating. right. Swimming across part of the river to uh, Ross Island uh, with their fat bikes and, and using the bikes as a flotation device as they went. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> which was which was cool. And then when they got there, they rode around on the beach. But yeah, uh, yeah. I guess there's also there's another story. just comes to mind of uh, I think it was Golden Pliers. Uh, they ended up fishing out a frame that appeared to have been stolen and cast into the Willamette River in Portland, and they they just drew that out uh, the other day and. They were drying it out and fixing it up and getting it back onto its feet. I, I don't think they found the owner. I think they were just uh, like, hey, this, there's a great frame down there. Let's let's pull it out. Mm.
1: Huh. Uh,
3: so not all bicycles flow, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Dan, thank you so much for taking some time to chat. Uh, I guess uh, I've been asking this of other folks who have listened to the show. Do you have any questions for us?
2: Uh, what was your first bicycle? Ooh.
3: Uh, it's funny. I was thinking about uh, like you were talking about your son and him not wanting to ride on the on the tow bike. I I had uh, what is famous in my family. Uh, I, I just protested uh, loudly and for hours about the fact that they wanted to take my tricycle away and give me a two wheeled bike. And so um, <laughs> it's just uh, I, I'm not one for change, you know. And i gotten really used to and love that trike. And the, my mom put it up uh, far away in the loft of the garage and said, you know. You, you got to ride this thing or else you right. don't ride anything. And so <laughs> that was my first one. Uh, I think I want to say I bought a $35 bike or maybe it's a $15 bike back when that was possible. Uh, it was like an old Huffy 10 speed um, when I was in high school. And then as an adult, um, when I finally got back into bicycling as a, uh, like as a full time, like, Hey, maybe I'll do this you know for more than just fun. Uh, I got a, an old Schwinn orange. frame. It was like, out of I was a varsity. So yeah, those, those were my first bikes at various parts of my era. Um
1: uh, my very first bike, I don't even remember. Um, but, and I, I'm sure I've told this before, but I do remember, um, going off training wheels very reluctantly,
3: <laughs>
1: um, to the point where like, <clears throat> I think, Either my mom or dad were like, you know, just we're taking the training wheels off and I begged them to, and the compromise was we kept one on, which ah. is kind of pointless, but like, you know, it's a psychological <laughs> thing. So I kept one training wheel on for forever. My very first, like just full, full size. And I put that in quotes cause I was still a kid <laughs> at the time, <clears throat> but it was a 26 inch wheeled bike. Um, it was some random cruiser frame that uh, my Uncle David found, spray-painted black, um, had like the double top tubes, and then they curved all the way back to the uh, to the uh, seat stays, um, and it was just, yeah, it was just this grody 26-inch <laughs> wheeled mountain bike. <laughs> um, not even really a mountain bike, probably, but, it, and then it had like, I don't know, maybe one-and-a-half, two-inch wheels, really fat, cushy wheels. Um, and I would ride that around, and our streets weren't paved very well, uh, so we would pick up, like, tar off of the streets in the wheels, and you'd have to stop and, like, you know, get a stick and pry all the tar off. Uh, that's, I think, my first, like, bike bike, yeah. Classic. Uncle David, this is for you. <sighs>
3: Uh, Guthrie, your first bike?
0: Yeah. um, I'm pretty sure the first bike I had was something super small and with training wheels, and I seem to remember the color red. Um, But shortly thereafter, I got off the training wheels. I think um, the Knoll brothers were getting too big for a mongoose that they had, and so um, we either got it used off them or they gave it to us or something like that, and that was that was the bike that i remember that really got me into the whole shebang um and i was you couldn't see if you're listening but i was rummaging down because my mom dropped off all of my kid photos uh about a year ago and i went through them recently oh nice so i told you guys i have some photos uh but yeah this is this is my 24 inch mongoose um this was the bike that got me into cycling and uh I beat the shit out of it and rode it for <laughs> a good, a good decade and a half or so before, um, I finally, I finally moved on to other bicycles. Um, but yeah, this, this is the bike that's near and dear to me. That's that, that's what, that's what gave me the bug for sure.
3: Very cool. Excellent. Well, thanks for asking Dan. I appreciate yeah, it. <laughs> uh I suppose I don't know. Is there anything else that remains unsolved? Not that I can think of. Easy <laughs> enough. We're 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 pretty open books, I think. <laughs> yeah. Really appreciate you spending so much time with us over the years. Yeah. It's uh, it's really uh, it's meaningful to me to get a chance to finally chat and connect uh, in person. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just really you know it's uh, this is a thing that you know I, I started recording back when when I just thought oh hey. Be fun to try something, and, and uh, yeah. it's lasted a long time. And and you've been with us for the whole thing, so I mean, you, you were on since episode three. So, thank you, really yeah. appreciate it. It yeah. means mm-hmm. a lot.
2: Like the content, appreciate everything you guys do right now. Thank you, donated okay. a couple, yeah.
3: donated before, but absolutely, right. yeah. <laughs> No, it's uh, that, that's you're you, honestly without, you know, without being facetious, you're the reason we're here. Uh, you know, it's okay. every, every little bit helps, and you were the person yeah. that helped us. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And, and thank you, too, for, for sharing a bit of your culture with us. It, it's really yeah. meaningful to get a, a different perspective and to, and to hear some things I wouldn't otherwise hear. So, I really appreciate okay. that. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, yeah. Do you want to hang out for our news and mail? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet very good uh but you know before we go to news and mail uh, i i realized that i haven't uh, i haven't done something yet that i wanted to do no oh. and when i can't go to southeast division 12th where uh, the beer mongers is i have to go find something else uh, people know i'm not drinking this year so I, I just ordered this new what's it called uh partake brewing i'm holding it up in the camera here so you can see what it looks like but it's uh, apparently, they say it's a red, like, you know, beer alternative or whatever. It's only supposed to be 25 calories. So how good can it be? I don't know. Um, <laughs> we're going to find out here. I'm going to do it. And we're right getting now. a taste we'll test out. on
1: the air. I've, okay.
3: I've never tasted this, but Instagram threw it at me and I was like, well, uh, sure. Why not? So let's. I think I need to go to the beer mongers of Southeast Division as well. Yeah.
1: You know, Instagram has been throwing athletic brewing ads at me.
3: Well, and let me tell you. So here, let me, I'll show you while I have it up here. Um, I I keep a a can of the the freeway, which is the best non-alcoholic beer I've ever had. It's got all the hop flavor. If you like hops uh, and none of it's, it's uh, as much alcohol as a kombucha would have. So Um, it's, it's a really good one. And uh, this one here, maybe should I take the name out in the edit? Not so much.
0: Hey, it's your, it's your
1: opinion. that's right yep it's just one man's opinion yeah it's a it's a
3: public service announcement for anyone else who's considering it
0: (laughs) i'd rather i'd rather hear it from you than somebody who's only had one non-alcoholic beer in their life well
3: and i i i like beer and i like non-alcoholic beer when it's when it's decent uh and that
1: one is like it's open so i gotta finish it
0: it's the price we pay
1: (laughs) yes how so how close is the freeway to like say uh a hop soda like the lagunitas Hop soda,
3: uh, it it's similar in okay. that, yeah, it's got. A, I think it's got more hop flavor. Um, and the thing about an IPA is that it always has that kind of like like sweet boozy taste because uh, there is yeah. a lot of booze in it. Uh-huh. Uh, and so they've they've done the best approximation of that. Um, every non alcoholic beer that I've had that uh, that tries to be an IPA isn't. And so right. yeah, there is that. I mean, you are also your palate adapts to lots of things if you give it enough of it. So you know. So, um, but again, I I would recommend instead going to the beer mongers Southeast Division and 12th and doing their carry away service that they offer, (laughs) even when they're closed uh, to actual sit down business.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm drinking a worthy IPA brewed in Bend, Oregon, or I'm assuming it's brewed in Bend, Oregon. It might not, it might not be, maybe they're big enough now, but it's the Northwest IPA. So I hope it's brewed somewhere here in the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) And it's pretty tasty. Flavor, it's right? got some good hops yeah. in it. It's got all the hops on it, according to the top of the can. So I, I'm all a fan. of
1: the hops. All
0: have the you ever hops. wondered worth, where
1: where the, all the hops went? All the hops worth can. posting.
0: <laughs>
3: I wonder where they were in this thing. I'm trying to drink. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, you had a can. What do you have?
1: I did have a can. It's still there's still a little bit in there, but I. I popped this early because I love it so much. This is the Waterloo Grape. Oh. It was found. I found my white whale. Um, do you, do you know where that somebody, came from? Somebody found it for me, I should say. Uh, it came from a box outside my door.
3: Do you um, know who commissioned that box to be sent to you?
1: Uh, I have a couple guesses. I wasn't going up. to embarrass anybody on the air. <laughs> Mr. Brock Didis. Well, I conspired maybe, with some or or maybe Mr. Keith Hutchinson that's that's the guy
3: nope, nope. So he and yeah, I were okay. talking yeah. and he was yeah. like hey I found this stuff and I said hey wouldn't it be fun if we try to get it to Aaron <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah so he's uh, primarily responsible for that
1: this might be my, my if I could have a trademark uh, sparkling water this might be it this is I've said this last episode, I'll say it this episode, this is everything I hoped it would be.
3: Wow. Okay. So Keith, you heard that, uh, you'll have to cancel your donation to the Sprocket Podcast and instead simply deliver (laughs) pallets (laughs) of sparkling water to Mr. Flores from here on out.
1: I'll take it. (laughs) Uh,
3: Dan, do you have anything over there as a beverage on your head?
2: My wife made a, uh, drink for me. It's, uh, Canada Dry with tea. That's what.
3: Nice, yeah. nice little sparkle. It's
1: like yep. a ginger ale with tea.
2: Yeah, that's Ooh, that my wife from good. the south. I guess
0: she makes a lot of tea.
3: Like, that's right. Yeah, tea, I always forget so. that tea is a thing. Yeah, yeah. Very good.
0: Tasty. Can't go wrong with ginger ale.
3: All right. Well, shall we hit the calendar?
0: Let's. I love, I love, I love, I love don't don't ever use that. Don't worry, Tim. Don't worry,
3: Tim. We will.
0: Every single week. <laughs> and if you're not tired of us saying that yet, well, just wait till next week.
1: <laughs> All right. So first on the calendar, I want to talk about this. This is the Black Liberation Ride, June 19th at 530. I'm not going to tell you where it's at. You'll have to go to the Facebook page and read the details, but I will tell you this. This is a community bike ride for Black Portlanders, and it is hosted on Friday, Juneteenth. Gentlemen, do you know what Juneteenth is? I Uh, should know. This was an invitation to... to, to... Yes? No? No? You you told me
0: last year, and I have forgotten since. (laughs) I think is how that happened. Uh,
1: I'm I not, not well have enough, enough to you explain you
3: it, year, honestly. And that's yeah, um, and that's part of my yeah, that's part of my problem, right? Now. That's okay. That's, that's what we're trying I, to get better at. I,
1: I also had to look this up. Um, June 19th is Juneteenth, um, and well, it's a portmanteau of June 19th, and what it is is um, the day the Emancipation Proclamation was read in Texas. Um, thus ending slavery for all the states. Um, The Emancipation Proclamation uh, was issued on January 1st in 1863, but was not read to anybody in Texas until June 19th, 1865, um, due to geography uh texas also not necessarily being a state where many battles or any battles were fought during the civil war so there wasn't a union present but um think about the time span that's almost two years there it's a long time um, yeah. but yeah so june 19th the day that slavery ended for all states um this is a ride celebrating that um but it is a ride for the black community in portland so um my fellow non-black friends including myself um you are invited to support the ride by (laughs) participating in not riding um that's not their words this is me saying this you get to do a very unique thing for for uh pedal palooza and that is not ride. Um, you can, however, donate funds and resources to the Black Liberation Ride campaign, and we will publish the link on our post here. Um, I had the privilege to accidentally kind of be a part of the first one, but um <clears throat> have uh, been in contact with the ride leader, and uh, one thing they had mentioned is they're not sure how they're going to do food at the park where they end up, um, so... Uh, If someone wants or has a talent for that and wants to support that. Also, she has a uh, Venmo link on the Facebook site. So if you want to donate funds, uh, please, please do so. Again, this is for the black community. So let's participate by not participating and supporting in other ways.
0: Dig it. Yeah. Thanks for
1: sharing. Aaron. Yeah,
3: And just, uh, just to point out too, this is one of those things where, uh, you said you could donate to this. And, yeah. uh, I don't know if anybody saw my Instagram story this last week, but, uh, I put up a thing. Uh, I am, uh, I'm a failed evangelical, which means that my parents think I'm going to hell, but, uh, I still know the Bible pretty well. And, um, basically what I put out was my Sunday sermon yesterday was, uh, you know, money talks, and uh, we need to uh, we need to speak up for these important issues that are happening right now. And uh, so you can do that with your money. You can donate, and uh, this seems like uh, an excellent an excellent cause to put money towards. And uh, it looks like uh, any surplus funds are going to the Portland African American Leadership Forum, yeah. uh, and that's a good place to put your money too. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: We have uh, June 1st through July 5th, Pedalpalooza is kind of happening. Still going on. Yeah, so I I guess we haven't talked about that on the show at this point, but Pedalpalooza, with the events of the last week and the extrajudicial murder of George Floyd, um, has has sort of changed its tune, in a sense. Uh, So it's no longer a bike fun month. It is a bike solidarity month, uh, and many of the ride leaders have changed their regularly scheduled events to reflect that. Um, I'm still working on a reflection of that for the tree ride, Um, and I guess I won't get into it too much right now until that's solidified. But um, yeah, in a sense, um, using the community and intention between or behind Pedalpalooza. Um, to do similar, uh, to put money where mouths are and to show up in that way. So um, you can see all of those changes by visiting the Palooza website. Um, so I won't go too much into that. Uh, but it is still technically happening, uh, just in a very different spirit uh, as compared to our interview with Megan Sinnott of about two weeks ago. And that's And it, and it that's turns out that... <laughs>
3: Yeah. 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 Bicycles are an excellent tool for protests. Like, uh, just some of the, what I've seen about, uh, corking, for example, which uh, for anybody who doesn't know is if you're in a group ride and you need to get a group of bicyclists across the street where, uh, traffic is flowing, uh, corker stands there and makes sure that, uh, that everybody gets through. And it turns out during a protest, people also need to move. Right. And so, um, people on bicycles have been serving that function as well. And mm-hmm. so that's just one example of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of great community, uh, energy and a lot of great community support that's uh, been redirected, like you said, to uh, something that's right now more important.
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh, the August 15th is the Swift Summit 200-100 version 4 in Lebanon, Oregon.
1: August 16th is the Swift Summit Northwest Hill Climb. Location still unknown.
0: If we don't have a location by the time the ride goes, I'm just going to go find like the <laughs> steepest hill maybe a fire road in forest park or something like that. And we're going to call it good. That's uh, right. <laughs> September 12th is the lads five hundred fifth annual here in Portland, Oregon.
1: And, um, there've been a number of regular bike parties. I don't know if any of them are still going on, uh, but I will give a special shout out today to the Indianapolis bike party. Um, mm-hmm. As we talked about them a couple of weeks back, and I've been watching Keith's posts, and it looks like he's scouting out some pretty good locations. So, Indianapolis Bike Party, get ready. you got some treats ahead of you. What can comp-
4: the thrill of a brand new bike I like it, my bike it's fast I like it, my bike it's fast I like it, my bike it's fast
0: and circles around the city light. it was a fake out because there are no headlines in our headline I was wondering if somebody had something I didn't
1: I was I was scrambling and I was like oh I could, maybe if I hurry I can bring up
3: I was Bring me an editorial quickly. I was in the <laughs> <Yeah>. flow. <laughs> uh, yeah, couldn't help from it. From
1: uh, uh City Lab uh there is uh there actually is a City Lab article um I wanted to look for, but it would take me too long and uh, I you won't find it in time. Yeah.
0: That's all right. That was, and those, those, those were, were our headlines.
1: <laughs> we do at least have We got mailing yes. <laughs> hey. We have at least one piece of mail because I neglected to put it in last week's notes. So I'm going to put it in this week. And this is a tweet from Dan Gebhardt, our fellow time traveler,
3: a time traveler.
1: (laughs) He's, he posted a picture of his bike Friday folding bike, uh, And says, smoking Lycra dudes on 20-inch wheels is more fun than I would have thought.
3: Yeah, I've ridden some of those wheels uh, years back now, but (laughs) I can testify that is, in fact, true.
1: (laughs) And that is our mail. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, Dan, thanks for joining Mm -hmm. us once again. It's been a pleasure to have you.
2: Yep, it's awesome being a part of this. I get to see everything.
0: Indeed. Um, and I can't remember if we Everything. had mentioned uh, at the end of the interview segment, but did you have any social media stuff that you wanted to plug or let folks know where to find or follow you at? Mm, and if not, uh, that's fine. <laughs> we not like really. to ask.
2: I don't really. Right. I'm pretty busy on doing my whole stuff in my life. I don't really. I barely put up on Instagram. I barely do that. So um,
0: No worries.
2: Follow me on uh, Instagram if you can spell it. We're going to find um, I also have it spelled in symbolics It's a way of riding Ojibwe, but um, yeah, if you're on the area let's go for a bike ride, i guess so.
3: and i I was just kidding about like not not ever going there i honestly <laughs> if i'm if I'm in the area, if I have a chance to do something, <clears throat> I would love to come in awesome so it's, it's be
1: it's beautiful around July and August,
3: yeah, that's about, that's about it. <laughs> I hear that's what the humidity <laughs> is, the most beautiful.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like yeah. <laughs> I going to say something and I forgot now.
3: Sorry, we're distracting you.
1: That's hilarious. I remember... Oh, oh no, you go.
2: Okay, uh, I was in... Uh, I had a chance to actually go to um, Washington right before the COVID thing came in. I was actually going to plan to like go ride bike down there and stuff. And oh I yeah.
3: Getting everything and then it all stopped. So oh, nice. Well, Uh, so it goes, which part of Washington were you aiming for? Um, I can't remember the
2: Salish Kootenai college.
3: Um, okay. It's in um, Washington, but. yeah. Cause Salish would be like kind of the, the Puget sound area, kind of the North Puget, yep. Puget sound area. I'm thinking, yeah. um, Coot and, and I I should know because I grew up in Washington, but I can't remember specifically what that yeah. points to. Yeah, I can't remember offhand been I didn't even think about it till No worries. no yeah. worries. Yeah well, uh, hopefully you get to do that again someday. Uh, yeah, yeah and man yeah, let me know when you do I would uh, I would do everything I could to, to make time to connect the okay. person somehow. Definitely. Yeah well, Washington's a beautiful state and it's less yep. humid. All, all the humidity's in the ocean.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. And right. now the the hardest question of the evening: Is there anything fancy you'd like us to do with the credits on our way out? A
2: fancy English accent.
0: Oh. Ooh! All right.
2: Fanciest you can get.
0: I <laughs> will do my best.
1: <laughs> All right. The real. The real. Thing. I think I can do this. Alrighty. I I might turn into the queen here. Do it. All right. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at X-Ray FM Studios thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Our website
0: is thesprocketpodcast.com Email to
3: thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com
1: Call or text to 503-847-9774
0: Twitter and the Instagrams at Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Heartbug for our headlong sounder. Marcus
3: Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson.
0: Cameron Ling, Richard
1: Wizinski, Tim Mooney.
0: Glenn Kubisch, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss. Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's, a, who's time a time traveler.
1: traveler like
0: and a time Hoon. lord. <laughs>
1: Chris Smith, Caleb
0: Jenkinson, J.P. Cueley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna,
1: He'll be soon. Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G.,
0: Guthrie Straw, who's staring right at me, Erin Self Referential, author, uh, Retcon, author <laughs> of We Were Like Sons and founder <laughs> of The Regrainery.
3: Capsite Black Nurse David, Nathan
0: Poulton,
1: Rory in Michigan, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay,
0: Tim Coleman,
1: Harry Hugel, E.J.
0: Finneran,
3: Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hitchison,
1: Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam,
0: Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore,
3: Odd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, and Chris Barron.
1: Chris Sean Baird, Simon, and Gregory Braithwaite.
0: Ryan Morrow, Dude Luna, Matthew Rooks.
3: Ka-ka-ka-ka. Marshall Paula at Punataki Cyclecraft,
1: Philip M. Spartingdale, no relation.
0: Mr. T, who's been here this whole time. Pike Initiative, Kiwana, Sarah G adam d go dig a hole beth hammond
1: greg murphy myra martinez also
0: isaac m david christensen 503 our newest donor
3: brought uh, byron patterson excuse me and jt
1: and all of our former donors who helped us get this far now
0: scrub your hands and stay safe and go to bed. Wow. <laughs> Brush your teeth. <laughs>